the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Great to be back again. Uh, today, my privilege to have Logan Ransley, uh, co-founder of Landlord uh, Studio, here uh, with us on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. How are you, Logan? Good, thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Ah, great, great to have you here and looking forward to hearing a, a little bit about your fast-moving startup yeah, yeah. and delving into some of the other sort of news of the week. So there's a, a fair bit to get through. We've got our esteemed Prime Minister, is uh, stirring things up in the in the US, uh, so we'll delve into a, a little bit about that and how that crosses into the the tech world. Uh, there's some stuff there around cybersecurity and uh, Russia drones. Always like talking about drones, especially when there's actually some I don't know some actual disrupting technology that's uh, that, that's that's actually starting to come through the broken down plane I've just heard <laughs> oh yes yeah just <laughs> this broken down plane um, <laughs> and uh, the world's smallest uh, remote control robot so uh, yeah some of the things that we'll delve into and hearing about uh, land landlord studio so let's jump in Jacinda Ardern is uh, is tripping around the, the US I, I see uh, quite a, a delegation that has uh, has has gone with her and bits and pieces of, of news starting to come out seeing it in the social media feeds people that have uh, uh, been meeting with her I think she's got uh, got a meeting with President Joe Biden coming up. So yeah, lot, quite lots, a few different lots, lots tech of activity, giants right? And yeah, lots of, all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which look, I think this is this is good for New Zealand uh, tech to have these opportunities where our um, political leaders get out, and particularly at that, I think uh, it puts level. us on a bit of a stage as well. Um, might actually attract some talent. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, there's there's more and more of a sort of a story around uh, New Zealand from multiple perspectives. So there's the perspective of it being a yeah a beautiful country to to visit from a tourist perspective. But then once you sort of start stacking in these other bits and pieces, and as yeah, long yeah. as the, the the narrative's reasonably uh, positive, then that can have a you know a good flow on uh, as you say and. I think attracting uh, talent to either work for New Zealand companies remotely is uh, is helpful, and as is attracting talent to you know, actually come and be be based here, uh, buying New Zealand products and software. Uh, yeah, there's 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 lots of good things that uh, that can come come out of this. And going from a, I guess a traditional agricultural export into more of a tech export seems to be like a good decision, I guess. From the future perspective, so I think it's a I think it's a good move. Yeah, and look, I you know I hope we will see more news like we 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 heard about uh, Meta uh, or Facebook uh, selecting uh, Parkable to help them with uh, with managing their car parks when you've got sixty thousand or, yeah. or so employees and you start going back to uh, to working from offices, then uh, managing. You know, car parks uh, using innovative New Zealand technology. Hey, that sounds that sounds good to me, right? Yeah, the software industry in New Zealand, um, and we can kind of talk a little bit more about this. But I think it's definitely starting to mature a little bit um, as more companies start and more companies exit. Um, you kind of get this recycle of of funds and and money going back into the ecosystem. So it's it's good to see that, you know, there's more talent and more 
ideas and more um, solutions coming out and particularly just being exported out to the wider world. Definitely, and there's so much to be said for the expertise and experiences that are are gained with with each of these uh, startups or or tech firms that then can flow back into the New Zealand sort of, you know, a tech sector. And so in theory, it it becomes easier for us to compete on that global stage because we end up with more and more people that know uh, how to take us there and what to do and and how we win these sorts of uh, deals. So, yeah, I thought that one was uh, that one you know was was really encouraging. Of course, we we probably all you know heard about uh, the speech at uh, Harvard University there and you know quite a quite a big deal to uh, you know to give these these speeches, commencement speeches and yeah, yeah. And, and so on. The opportunities that, that come up and uh, the honour that goes with it, it's great. But there was a tech aspect here which is in in line really with you know the Christchurch call and the sort of you know reiterating of of recognizing the the huge power that the biggest tech players particularly the the social media companies like Meta who we just mentioned uh you know the that power that they have you know for those that have that have caught that uh you know you would have yeah recognized that there's an ongoing message there from um, from the Prime Minister. And look, I think it, it is really important that we keep discussing these things that, you know, we hold these very powerful players to account. Mm. How we do that, part of it, I guess, is giving speeches. Um, part of it is um, also going to be legislative and that's that's a probably a, easier said than done, yeah. and it takes a long time for these things to go through government. So, and a bit of a grey area. It's kind of a yeah. Well, there's they, multiple they, views. You've on, got a lot. You've got thing. a lot of different views onto yeah. you know what's what's the right approach. And you know, going back to the the terrorist attack in Christchurch, and at that time, you know, I remember discussing it across a a, a range of media. There was sort of this expectation that these things are really easy to address with an algorithm. Mm. And first of all, you've got to define what, what it is. What is the algorithm going to do and in what context? And yeah. like this stuff is not easy. And as you, as you say, they're, they're, these uh, sorts of things that we're, we're sort of expecting technology to handle, the technology can only do, uh, do certain things and, and it needs to be... Uh, it need, needs to be directed. So I, th- you know, I think there's there's going to be a lot more discussion on these topics for a long time. But it is important. There might be this view that government organisations uh, expect that tech can do more than it actually can to uh, to try solve some of these issues with you know a simple coded algorithm uh, using kind of slang word, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. There might be a misunderstanding there, but who knows. Well, and these misunderstandings can be quite broad. You know, I remember discussing this with, uh, I think it was with Lisa Owen on on Checkpoint, and, yeah, there was just this expectation, well, look, this is on Facebook, this should have never happened, and, you know, the technology can handle it. And you you sort of, you know, you think think around how we use technology and what technology can do. I mean, it's incredibly uh, flexible, and if you can allow someone to put a video game online that includes 
shooting and look we look at look at gaming you know the first person shooter is is a really big segment of gaming and people are going to stream these things online and so on one hand you know that that's all good and then we're sort of saying well something that we've never ever seen before but might involve blood or might involve guns or might involve this and that mm. Uh, yeah, can you get an algorithm that can that can just wrap around and and figure out what that's you know when a bit of footage comes online and instantly decide and categorize and not block you know the the things that uh, you know humans wouldn't want blocked but you know block those other things. That's challenging. <laughs> yes. So, um, but look, I, I think it is important that that the discussion happens. We keep these things at at the forefront, but we also need to be somewhat reasonable with uh, with the expectations. And, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying, we shouldn't be pushing forward, we shouldn't be expecting change, but we have to we have to have some balance, right? It's a hard one because topics like that are very important to bring to light to try and come up with solutions to solve them and, and figure out ways of using and uh, stopping the abuse of the platforms like that. And yeah, you're right, we... We need to, you know, continue to try figure out solutions to, to, to do that. And I guess that's why these conversations are important to have. It can just take a little bit of time and and may need a bit more creative input uh, from everyone around. So, Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot we're expecting technology to, to solve. We're expecting it to solve all of our uh, financial woes as a country, to get rid of poverty, to a degree, we look to we look to tech as something you know that is as magical. In many ways, it is, but most of these things are going to take some time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now sure. on to on to another topic. Um, Scott Technology uh, have been in the media announcing a, a pretty big deal, fifty six million dollar mm. deal, and Scott Technology, of course, are uh, in, involved in the world of um, Automation and robotics in the workplace, and so they, you know, they do some really, really cool stuff. It was, I was you amazed. that mentioned yeah. when when they started. Was it nineteen thirteen? Nineteen thirteen was when they started, which is it, quite amazing because that's you know quite a long time to be going and coming up with various engineering solutions and and pivoting and you know now a, a publicly listed company. Yeah, it's quite a big deal. It is, and look, I think it, it's encouraging to whenever we come across these uh, these sort of scenarios where well-established, you know, firms have, yeah, over a long period. I mean, they, they've, um, you know, they've done an, an incredible job over 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 a hundred years now. But for them to be at their uh, this sort of scale, winning, you know, fifty million dollar plus uh, uh, contract. Yeah, I think is is pretty exciting. So in this case, it's with um, Canadian company. Yeah, Canadian yeah. Uh, beef processing plant in in Alberta. Uh, I think there's about twenty eight hundred uh, staff there, and a you know basically a, a non automated environment at the moment. And so um, by bringing their technology to uh, to bear. Yeah, this is going to uh, going to have a huge impact on their overall uh, profitability. So um, yeah, really, uh, really good good to see. And it's areas like this where often it's becoming quite hard 
to actually find the the workforce. So, uh, you know, sometimes that, that really pushes these decisions, uh, and may well have been uh, been the case. Uh, I think here. all these just these small wins, well, big wins that New Zealand's having is just great to put us on that stage again and just really get some eyes, track that talent, etc. Because I think the more relevant we are, um, you know, the better we can kind of serve the world in that way. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Now, on this sort of cybersecurity front, I suppose, is one way we think of uh, Cloudflare because of the services that, uh, that, that they provide. They've caught some attention, uh, though, and yeah, probably most well-known for their uh, DDoS mitigations or distributed denial of, of, of service attack capabilities or of, of protecting you know, against those. Uh, now, where they've, they've caught attention is that they're still operating in Russia. Mm. And what we're hearing from Ukraine is a very clear message is that tech companies need to get out of, of Russia. Now, the whole thing of when you know, a country uh, gets put, very rightly so, into I don't know what you call it into sort of the dog box as a country. Um, yeah, yeah. That's not not a probably a strong enough way of, of describing it. But there are these you know huge sanctions obviously being being put on Russia, uh, and there is that that expectation uh, that tech firms get out. So I, I thought it was interesting to read how Cloudflare is saying no, we we are staying in Russia. Yeah, and I and thought, well, how, how how can you justify you know yeah, staying you in there right this now? Just before it was quite, it's an interesting take or an interesting kind of justification. Yeah, well, you know, it seems that that um, part of Cloudflare's uh, role, they don't have any uh, staff there, although they d- they do have um, servers based in Russia. Uh, part of their uh, service offering is a free service, uh, the one dot one dot one dot one DNS service. And this has, to a degree, been you know very helpful for Russians being able to. Uh, I think you can get um, an app um, that will set your DNS accordingly, and that's been in the uh, I think in the Apple Store uh, for Russia. Uh, and this has actually allowed you to get access to uh, uncensored Western news, whereas we know uh, that in Russia the the news narrative has been very tightly controlled. They've got a single organisation right? that controls most media. I think there's only one news organisation that's not state-run or state-owned, and they're probably still <laughs> very much under well, the... Well, heavy, uh, heavily ma- controlled when you look at the, the, the moderated, laws that they've put yeah. in place, uh, which, you know, you say the wrong thing and you can get a, a long time in, in jail. So... Yeah, there's 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 been a real move for the tech world to just to get out of Russia uh, very very quickly. But look, I can I can see this perspective, and it, it certainly makes some uh, some sense to me. But I don't know whether everyone's going to feel the same way when there's just this sort of blanket expectation to to get out, and whether there will be um, you know some businesses who are going to take a um, you know a different approach and just say no you, you shouldn't be there but to me yeah. this comes across a, as uh, Cloudflare being good people 
doing doing something uh, that actually you know helps with with uh, free speech uh, in in a country that that is very tightly controlled what is said. But when we were chatting before we started, you you mentioned there's some uh, some maybe negative stuff out there. Yeah, well, I was going to uh, say the cloud flare. The, what, what what was it you'd come across? I've been under the microscope, uh, I guess a bit in the past around uh, providing services to terrorist organisations, Al Qaeda, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they've never really pulled out, and no, and and what they said was they've never been asked to pull out either. They've never had a lawsuit. They've never had any legal. Um, uh, uh, you know, stepping in, saying that they need to stop doing that, which is interesting when they're servicing these types of groups or servicing that type of country, et cetera. So there might be more to the story than we know. Yeah, yeah. It's an, it's interesting. When you first mentioned it to me, I'm thinking, well, as you know, Cloudflare is so big, this would be like sort of saying that terrorists drink Coca-Cola, therefore Coca-Cola is, yeah. is bad. But... There is that aspect where, yeah, you, you could see for a, a domain name who's providing those services or where there's um, that distributed denial of service attack you know, protection and if Cloudflare is providing it, you can see who that is. But how do you draw those lines around and how do you define that? And if, as you say, what they're doing is, is legal and they've not mm. you know, had any, any, any lawsuits. They actually had a bit of controversy around the Christchurch as well because 8chan was obviously streaming and they're also, I guess, hosted or protected by Cloudflare services. So, yeah, it, it's, it's widespread, but it's, it's a hard one. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Who do you who do you work with? And you know, once companies get to a certain scale, are there any good companies anymore? Yeah, realistically, like yeah. You, you know, like even in, in, in New Zealand, we look at our our, our big telcos, and we kind of love to love to hate them. It's like, oh, you, yeah, you know, whether it's a customer service issue or we feel that you know they've charged too much and and so on. So. And the and the bigger and bigger you get, the more of a target you are. But you're more yeah. well known. You're more there's more uh, eyes lo- on you. Looked at naturally, and no business is going to is going to please everyone. Mm. But actually, also we do need to hold firms to to account, and um, we want to spend our money with uh, with people doing good stuff, not bad yeah. stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll be curious to see what more we hear on Cloudflare. I did notice that uh, zero. I think Zero pulled out of Russia as well, um, just being relevant to NZ. But I guess for the businesses of those Russians using Zero, that would have had a bit of an impact, I'd imagine. Yeah. So how do you do that in a way that doesn't, you know, destroy people's livelihoods, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say a, a, I don't think you can, you know, measure it specifically, but the issues and the war. Uh, crimes and so on that we're hearing about aren't carried out by a majority of the population. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the population of a victim. So uh, if you've got someone, maybe they've started, let's say it's a tech business somewhere in, in, in Russia and, and that's how they feed their family and their, you know, their business breaks down because the technology tools that they were relying on you know, pulled the rug out from under them. Yeah, uh, that's that's not necessarily a good story. So it's yeah, there's there's a way in which these things 
uh, in theory, should be carried out. And I don't know the answers <laughs> yeah, to how you how either. you get that <laughs> stuff right in a, in any sort of a, a humane manner. And look, I understand the other the other perspective is is look actually you know we just need to be really really hard to uh, you know to have an impact and have any chance of of, of stopping the law. So mm. uh, now drones. Love to talk about drones when they're doing cool stuff and we get all the sort of the PR things and, uh, you know, a few years ago it was uh, Simon Bridges and Domino's Pizza delivery in New Zealand and all very cool and made some made some good uh, good press, but <laughs> we, we're still not getting uh, pizzas delivered in New Zealand <laughs> by drone, but we are reading about uh, Walmart in the US and that... Although it's still a small percentage of the population, it's it's probably actually similar, uh, or maybe even slightly more than the New Zealand population that they're talking about covering. Uh, so Walmart have said that they're they're bringing the convenience of drone delivery now to four million uh, U.S. households uh, through a partnership with a company called uh, Drone Up. They're going to have the service. Uh, offering, which they have have been doing previously, but uh, they're extending that. The idea is to be able to get uh, products to uh, to people in two hours or or so. I think that's probably the shorter end of the scale. So there's yeah. a really interesting thing about this because I read about this on Reddit, and one of the comments um, was uh, the drones piloted by an actual person. One of the comments was, I live in Arkansas next to one, and it is a pilot. So there's literally a pilot standing next to the house, and they're flying these drones to the house. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit <laughs> of an interesting situation. But What, so you're saying that the, the pilots at the destination? Are at the destination. Or, or well, at the pickup who point. knows? Because that doesn't, doesn't sound as though it Unless they're yeah, satellite-controlled right? drones, but... I guess they'd be in range of of these drones wherever the pilot is. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, a, in the early phases of these things, certainly you're going to get a higher level of uh, you know people involved as we move through to more automation. I don't, yeah, I don't know the the specifics, and you know, people will make their comments on you know on <laughs> on, on Reddit at the light, but. Yeah. You expect ultimately for this type of technology to work, it's it's, it's got to be a very, scalable very high right? level of, of automation. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, this is not a military sort of drone environment where you can you're going to expect that we need to we need to keep uh, you know keep that sort of control and and uh, and so on. Yeah, I guess as a way to prove a concept, you could start with a drone pilot, but. If they're delivering to you know the entire of the U.S. household, um, I'm not sure if there's, <laughs> there's enough pilots to do that. No, <laughs> all no. time of the day. Exactly. So yeah, look, I find this fascinating because it is you know in the scheme of things for New Zealand, it is uh, you know what, four million households. So I think mm. that's more than we've we've got uh, here. Yeah, put that into a, a New Zealand context, and of course, in the US, different states have uh, different laws and so on. So, at this stage, I would imagine this is not something that Walmart or any other company in the US could just do across the entire population. And then, of course, it depends where you live. You're in an apartment, and what do you do? It turns up when you're not expecting it. You're not there, and 
you know, there's there's a whole raft of things to uh, to consider, mm. and that's you know without going into getting the safety piece right, and if you're flying over people's heads um, carrying carrying stuff. Um, and it was one of the article. Uh, I think it might have been the um, the press release from Walmart that I was uh, I was looking at, and I was sort of scanning it through, and I saw the mention of refrigerators. Suddenly, <laughs> it popped into my head a drone carrying a refrigerator over your head, uh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> no, and then I, I, I stepped back a little bit and uh, realised that they were talking about yeah a delivery to help stock your refrigerator yeah. uh, rather than uh, drones flying around uh, at the sort of scale where they're. Carrying refrigerators, but you know who knows where, where we'll get to in another uh, uh, decade or so. But look, we we are at that point where this sort of technology that's been you know you see it slowly progressing, then it it actually gets to to a point where it becomes it becomes real and it yeah. can you know, hopefully do a really good job and that the upsides far far outweigh any of the the downsides of the technology. But it does seem. A, a long time coming after all these little demos and and so on to uh, to see uh, such a big number of people households being uh, being served by yeah. by the technology and still I'm not sure of the the reality we're not seeing a huge amount of uh, of data in terms of well, how many deliveries are are they uh, making this one uh, will cover Six states, Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Texas, Utah, and uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Those will be markets where Walmart, I'm sure, is, is in heavy competition uh, with Amazon. Yeah. So this could, you know, could be something that helps them. But, of course, if it works for them, then the technology, possibly even the same provider, might serve Amazon. And, of course, Amazon have got their own work going on in this area as well. But yeah, reading the, the notes is sort of, you know, they're talking about delivering light stuff, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, get your uh, para- paracetamol or, uh, you know, some, some nappies or a bit of bread flown to you by, uh, by ear. Oh, this part mentions actually as short as 30 minutes uh, delivery of uh, $4 US. So what are we talking? Probably about $7 New Zealand if you threw a bit of uh, GST in there. Um, ten pounds. So what's that? Four and a half kilos, uh, roughly. So that's actually, you know, that's a that's a bit of bit of stuff you could. That's uh, quite could um. Get. That yeah, that that would be on the heavier side for a drone, I'd imagine, or for a standard size drone. And it's gonna yeah, it's gonna consider size and you know, yeah. whether it's actually sort of safe for. Uh, Wonder what their primary objective is though. Like, is it to shorten time of deliveries, or is it to reduce costs deliveries, or? Maybe they're trying to deal with the COVID repercussions in the in the shipping industry and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I do sort of feel as though we are probably still in the phase where it's as much as anything to experiment with the technology. It does it work, and how much can we scale it? Is it ten deliveries a week per store? Is it ten thousand? Mm. You know, is it a hundred thousand? I'm picking. It's probably going to be. At, yeah. the, at the at the lower end of that at the stage, but you you get it working, and that that convenience factor yeah. is. I mean, we love convenience. Look at you know Uber Eats and all of the other uh, similar services. Actually, I should mention uh, DoorDash, uh, which was a service I tried out in the US, probably going back 
I don't know, five, maybe six years. I remember, its, yeah. In its early days. Um, in fact, they've been around the best part of a decade, so it could have been could have been a lot more than that. But I remember trying, you know, trying them out in the in the US, and possibly it was even they were it was before even ahead Uber of Uber Eats, if yeah, I remember correctly. They came yeah. out before, yeah. And being in Silicon Valley and and trying out the the tech. Now we know them now as. I think the the largest food delivery company in the US. So they, mm. you know, they deliver more food than Uber Eats. Now I can't remember uh, whether it was DoorDash or whether it was one of the other players, but I have a feeling it was DoorDash that when they started, they were more than food delivery. Yeah, they um, used to li- deliver almost anything. It was yeah, like a postal service, peer to peer kind of postal service. So we've seen we've seen some interesting. Yeah. I guess evolution of some of these, you know, new, you know, heavily sort of software-based uh, tech companies as they've experimented with with what their uh, what their different offerings are. I think Uber uh, offers it now, though. I'm not sure if they do if they offer it here, but they're doing almost like courier. Yeah, they they, they do offer systems. it here, and you know, in fact, we started yeah, using it for for varying things before yeah. it was a. A formal service because you would find most Uber drivers, uh, as long as you didn't didn't have a, a package that was sort of labelled <laughs> illicit drugs on it or something, yeah. Uh, yeah, would reasonably happily go and and pick up an order, you know, or or pick something up from one address and take it to another. Yeah, much much faster than it than, a, than a normal courier, and and probably in 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 certain cases. Yeah, probably more more cost effective. I, I don't know how the numbers stack up today. Mm. I actually I did it in the US uh, once. I think it, w- it was just it was yeah before they had a formal delivery service in the US, and I think it was at a conference. I needed something uh, from a printer. I'd organised a you know some printing, and needed to get it across LA. And I sort of looked at the idea of me catching an Uber <laughs> yeah. or a cab across. LA, which is a nightmare for yeah, yeah. Uh, you know roads, and so to go one way so that I could come back the other way, and uh, yeah, it soon dawned on me that uh, let's let's try it out. And LA's maybe a, an area that's known for for a, probably a lot more illegal movement of goods than <laughs> yeah. uh, than some other parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this uh, the driver was quite was quite happy, and someone came out and. Gave him the the package, the goods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it was printing. It was legit. I uh, can assure you. Um, and uh, you know, I could you could watch it on the app and where it goes. But we get so used to these things, don't we? And I think, yeah, this drone delivery, it's got to be a point in time where it flips over and it actually just become just becomes normalised. Just yeah. just like Uber has, just like Netflix, and these were things that in New Zealand we sat for a long time and sort of. Yeah. yeah, we looked at them happening in other markets, and then they were here, and then the it kind of seems like a crazy normalized. idea at first, but then ultimately becomes quite a normal thing. Yeah. Uh, another example of that is the catching of the uh, Starcraft, <laughs> Elon Musk's new uh, Starship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's some there's some incredible stuff going on now. Talking of um, space. Uh, we were reading recently around uh, Lone Star. Uh, mm. Now, this is not the uh, restaurant chain in, in New Zealand. I thought uh, it was when you first mentioned <laughs> yeah. it. I was, hmm. Lone Star Data <laughs> Holdings. And their unique plan is to put 
uh, data centers on the moon to back up the world's data. I'm still struggling to get my head around this. It might just be all a little bit too early for me, but you know, I guess if Earth were to explode um, <laughs> and you're storing your data off planet, uh, this could be really, really good, but yeah. I'm not quite sure when we will need that. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a fair bit of commentary online. Apparently, they're uh, they're closing a $5 million uh, seed round at, at, at the moment, so it'll be one to... Keep an one eye to on. watch, but you know, on on the other side, there are going to be new businesses in space, and yeah. whilst at the moment it just seems like madness and science fiction and and so on, there's a lot of what you know we take for granted today that if you roll back the clock, you know, twenty years, you would look at and mm. you would like, no, that that's not going to work. But yeah, hey, access to space is just creating a whole new industry where, and you're seeing it with all these different businesses coming out and quite a few New Zealand based ones as well which is really exciting yeah the last thing I uh, wanted to squeeze in just on the uh, the sort of you know tech newsy front was I came across this video online referenced as a, a tiny robotic uh, crab and apparently the smallest remote control robot, smaller than a flea. So these are absolutely tiny suckers. And yeah, uh, suckers isn't the right name for them, but I was just trying <laughs> to work out what do, what do I call these little little fellas? A round tick-like body, that doesn't sound very nice, does it? Um, <laughs> Ten protruding uh, legs, and they can bend, twist, crawl, walk, turn, and uh, uh, one of the videos shows them uh, jumping as as well. Uh, yeah, we see this sort of stuff in, in science in science fiction, but this is this is that progression, isn't it's it? It's kind of scary. You, you know, someone has this crazy, <laughs> scary idea, and then over time, actually, the technology catches up. Mm. Uh, there are creative, innovative thinkers that that managed to um, bring them to fruition maybe not as they were originally uh, you know shown off as being something scary but something that that may uh, you know be a very helpful tool to the world in uh, in the years ahead mm. are you scared by these things or do you think this is, this is going to play out well <laughs> amazing engineering <laughs> <laughs> don't know the practical use for them feel like they could be abused <laughs> That, Personal that, opinion. that is always the flip side with technology, isn't it? They're, yeah. uh, they're, you know, they can be used for good, they can be used for, for lesser good, so let, let's hope uh, for, for very good <laughs> stuff. All right, so we really, I really want to hear about Landlord Studio, so tell us the, the background. Brief introduction. My name's Logan, one of the co-founders of Landlord Studio. We're a property management app for uh, DIY landlords. What do you mean by DIY landlords? Is this just, just that they're yeah. not outsourcing the property management, so they want to... So typically in New Zealand, someone who buys a rental property will hold on to it, and they'll hold on to it particularly for capital gain purposes. And then that's how they kind of make their money. The actual rental income side of the story is more to offset mortgages uh, for being able to invest for the capital gain, whereas... Overseas in the US, which is our primary market, most property investors will uh, invest in rental properties that cash flow from day one. 
um, to create a cash flowing business. Um, right, right. So they, it's a cash positive business that's yeah. generating an income yeah. for them. Very little capital gain on property in the US. Um, there's obviously some caveats to that, but. Hence, oh, hence why their, their uh, housing is so much cheaper than ours in a lot of cases. Yeah, exactly. And um, a lot of high density housing as well, which we're only just starting to see here now, where, you know, we've got terrace homes going up. Um, in order to fit more housing in a smaller space. That's quite common overseas. Um, it's very common in the US. Uh, yeah. Most yeah, property investors will buy a, a building that has 25 units in it, and they'd probably spend, you know, two or three million dollars buying that, but 23 units is, you know, 23 lots of rent coming in every month, whereas you spend two million dollars here on a house and, you know, it's one set of rent coming in. It's quite a different landscape. How did this come about? So you're in New Zealand with something that maybe doesn't yeah. heavily suit the New Zealand market and you're looking <laughs> at the, the US. Um, by accident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll kind of step back a little bit. My business partner, Charles, he, IT software, uh, mobile developer, he was uh, living in London and he was just contracting, earning some good money. And he decided that he was just going to buy some rental properties when he came back to New Zealand. But being a mobile developer, wanted a solution, you know, primarily app-based to be able to manage these properties. Uh, and when he looked on the app store, couldn't find one. So he just built one himself, coded a real simple version up. And love then, it, yeah, put it on the app store. Uh, yeah, lots of American uh, users started downloading it. And... By accident, it solved a really specific niche problem uh, in, in, in the industry where every property from uh, a tax perspective, from the IRD, IRS tax perspective, is treated like a different business. Okay. So you have, to, you have to record your income and outgoings for each property. Right, and then you report right. that. So you can't treat it like a hotel, like this is one big Yeah, one big business, exactly. But so to slice it up. So when you get up to 25 properties, you're essentially having to create a profit loss statement for every single property, uh, and that's how you report it. The problem is, is that traditional accounting software only is designed for a single business entity. Yeah. yeah. So when they try to use software like Xero, QuickBooks Online, it doesn't actually work. Uh, so they kind of go from a spreadsheet when you know, you've just started investing in rental properties, might start tracking it on there and then once you get a couple more like the the workflow processes they become a bit more uh, harder to manage you need software to start automating that naturally your go-to is quickbooks online or or zero yeah i'm sure uh, zero didn't mind you know one customer having 25 subscriptions to cover well they love cover it, right? a building but <laughs> yeah. in the in the scheme of it that's uh yeah it's probably not going to actually and they've built some well. tools to you know allow um, you know, multiple property tracking and things like that. But ultimately, it's been designed for an accountant and it's single business entity. So what we did was we created an app that allowed you to track your income and expenses on a property by property basis. Very simple concept. Turns out that a lot of people, um, yeah, felt that they that our product really solved quite a unique uh, problem in the industry. So... Our first thousand customers came from app downloads without any 
marketing, no real product development, no real strategy behind acquiring those users. So it was <laughs> quite interesting. So, um, that's a great story. That's very cool to yeah, acquire yeah. A, a thousand customers like that. So where are you at in the journey? When when did Landlord sort of studio start and how many customers do you have now? What sort of what sort of revenue are you at and what are the so upcoming that was done around 2016, mm. 2017. Uh, 2018, we did our first um, family and friends kind of seed round, raised a couple of hundred thousand from, from family and friends, and we put together our first, uh, I guess, established company with a few people. Essentially from there over time, we've been uh, starting to further build the product out to make it more applicable to the different landlords and their journey and actually solve more of the workflow issues because accounting is just one. You know, there's multiple, there's dealing with tenants, there's maintenance, there's um, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So we've kind of built out this big product suite now, uh, stemmed from the accounting piece. Now we manage over 33,000 rental properties on the system, a little over 4,000 customers, um, primarily US-based still. Finally hit the... uh, the, the seven figures, so which is great for kind of aspiring NZ tech startup. So our next focus is uh, the US market, and we're going into US market to try prove out a bit of a, a strategy around around that accounting uh, kind of uh, go to market channel. It's uh, it's really exciting. And do you have something that the the tenants? use as well is that something where there's some an app or you know web portal or something that for for the tenants yeah so primarily started just landlord focused but we got a lot of uh product feedback and a lot of questions asking around adding the payments piece in which is facilitating direct debits from tenants to landlords um so we built into the system a way to do that now. Uh, so that basically brings the tenant into the equation. So they actually have a, f- a portal that they use as well now where they can connect their bank account, uh, set up automatic payments, pay for utility bills, etc., And then it all flows through our system and we do all the financial bookkeeping in the background, all the payments flowing through to the, the landlord's bank account, etc. So that's the kind of the first part. The ultimate vision is to really bring the tenant and involve them more in the whole life cycle because rental properties is not just the landlord, it's ultimately their tenant as well and being able to create a great experience for them. So um, everything from them being able to uh, let the landlord know that there's issues with the property so that they can get fixed, obviously payments and then some of the products around moving in, moving out, et cetera. Seems like there is a huge amount of you know potential, a lot more, a lot more ahead for you. So that's great. Yeah, the market's very large in the yeah. US. Yeah. So, uh, on one hand, it's quite intimidating on how to tackle that. Um, the other hand, you get you know just one percent of that market, and you've got quite a valuable business. So yeah, great. And um, some people would probably be curious about you know what what's the technology behind the scenes that you use? What's your, your tech stack? Yeah, so we use uh, Microsoft Azure uh, as our kind of tech stack, .NET core, and then we've got native apps, both on iOS and Android. 
and then our web portals all react. So uh, great experience for everyone uh, involved, especially because we started as like a mobile first um, focused product. Um, we always felt that, you know, that's the way people were moving their lives is to be working on the go. So uh, every everything that we've designed is from a mobile first kind of approach and, and that's kind of been a part of our ethos. Sounds great. Mm. Um, yeah, look, I think there's a lot more we could delve into. And I had some <laughs> other notes here I wanted to ask, but I think we're, good. we're sort of out of time for uh, for NZ Tech Podcast. Yeah, today, yeah. So <laughs> we might have to have you back for uh, for another uh, chat, Logan, and uh, and, no and delve in a little <laughs> little bit more. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's really really exciting, and um, you know, all the best for for what's next. I know you've got an upcoming uh, trip. Up to the US, uh, UK. Up to US and yeah, just say for everyone listening in, just uh, look out for us, and we're always looking for talent. So feel free to reach out, and you know, if it's something that they want to get involved in the startup industry in New Zealand, then we're here. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, where are your people? Are you sort of spread out, or mostly around Auckland? Majority or? of our engineering team is Kingsland, nice and central, good community around there. Um, and then marketing sales is Kingsland, Wellington, and US. So, All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us uh, on the New Zealand Tech Podcast this week, and we will look forward to catching you again next week. Uh, a huge thank you to our show partners, uh, Vocus, or should I be saying Two Degrees now, as that merger has, uh, has completed. We've got uh, Vodafone, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology. And uh, thank you to you for listening in. And uh, thanks, uh, Logan, for, Appreciate for it, joining us on the show. No worries. Thank you. All right. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.